Welcome to Power Yourself, where I talk about the most important topic in the world, you. So in day today, things don't always go as planned. Sometimes our feelings get hurt and sometimes we perceive a situation a certain way. These are some of the events that we can see anger come to the surface. Today, we're going to focus on anger and what it is exactly. What are some possible contributing factors and what are some things we can incorporate in our life to help us better equipped to handle it and understand it? With me today in the studio is one of my coworkers, Ryan Mullins, joining us. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. So, Ryan, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of the work you do regarding anger management? Yeah, sure. Well, anger management is just one of the things I do. So, yeah, I come from the human service field and I worked for years with at-risk youth, uh, youth, homeless youth, doing some family counseling, then moving into youth addiction counseling. And then in that time, I, I started doing court-mandated anger management courses. So I've been doing those for about nine years. And uh, so, yeah, it, a, a long time. Uh, it it kind of goes by fast. I was just thinking that the other day. I'm like, wow, I've been doing this for a while. So the other thing is, you know, I have a balancing experience and what I call it is a balancing experience. So that's a very human orientated experience. I also spent nine years as a combat engineer in the Canadian Armed Forces Reserves. And, and I find that was a really powerful experience in terms of giving me a very focused leadership style driven background okay. might be the way to say it. And that's kind of what's led me into being in leadership consulting today right Oops. yeah and so within leadership consulting i have no doubt when you're talking to leaders about their employees that sometimes the topic of anger might actually come up oh absolutely i mean it's you know it it comes in the form of the discussion around conflict yep. and usually a conflict is there's discomfort and that manifests as anger and such and so Absolutely. It's a very relevant topic when we look at leadership and team functioning, though it's something that we all experience. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about conflict, and then you mentioned the uncomfortableness almost of people dealing with it. Is that what you meant? Like, just explain that to people a little bit more. Yeah, like when we think of conflict, it's probably one of the hardest things humans will do. Yep. is manage conflict and and it it's uncomfortable right i think one of my favorite definitions of conflict is a discomforting difference and that key being the discomforting because if there's no difference it's not uncomfortable it's not really a conflict right and so that that discomfort is a key and that's the emotion and and i think when you look into your own experience around conflict and what's going on i mean there's a variety of different ways people will manage that Though anger is a really common thing to experience. And in those situations, it's more about control, right? Feeling powerlessness and control. Though other people will handle conflict differently and they might go into a place of pleasing, trying to fix it or kind of submit to what is going on. And they may not stand up for what they really feel. So that's what I mean with the discomfort. There's emotion always involved. And, and anger is one of those emotions that you can expect to see at times and then focusing then on the anger piece of it when people become angry in the types of conflict so why 
is it surfacing up as anger in conflict? What would be some of the maybe underlining feelings that really brings that the anger kind of to the surface? Yeah, so I mean, it, that's a good question. And it, it's a complex emotion. Yeah. It really is. And, and I don't think we really understand it. And so I think we're gonna actually have to back up a little bit to just the base of understanding what anger is. Because yes, it comes out in conflict, but it comes out in a lot of different things. And so the first place I generally am starting when I'm teaching an anger management course is I'm just asking, you know, what, what, did, what do you know about anger? Tell me about anger. Tell me what you know. And you can imagine that, you know, the responses that come out is, well, it's an emotion. It's a feeling and, and stuff like that. And then we eventually get, well, well, is it good or bad? Which is pretty common. Like, let's, let's be real for a second. Most people that you would say, what's anger? They would all, I would assume, say, like, it's a feeling or it's yeah. an emotion because we don't know. You totally nailed yeah. it. We don't know a whole lot about it or we don't talk, I don't think, about it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and I think, I think it's, it's tough, right? We don't necessarily talk, we don't teach what it really is. We see it in the media. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we learn about it in our families and how we deal with difficult situations, how anger comes up. And, you know, we get these patterns of behaviors that come out as a result. But do we actually get taught what it is? And no. And and so I've spent nine years and I'm still spending that time understanding it more because it's, it's really complex. And each each time I teach, I'm learning a little bit more from the participants and from that experience. And when we look at it, I go back to that thing. So I've, I've asked them, well, what do you know about it? And then the next question is, well, is it good or bad? And more, than, more often than not, people are saying, well, no, it's bad. And then they kind of go, well, maybe, maybe it's good. Right? And, so, and, and that's the thing we have to look at. Well, the, it is good and bad. It really depends. Because you know, we think of anger. Well, anger is an emotion. What gets us in trouble isn't necessarily anger. It's aggression. Right. Because aggression is the expression of the anger. Right. And that's when, you know, just because you got angry, the police don't show up because, hey, you're angry. Right. The police are showing up because you express that in a way that was less than helpful, let's say. Right. And, and so it's, it's aggression that gets us in trouble. And so that aggression is a means of expressing that anger. So when we go back, it's like, okay, so we need to understand what is causing this anger. And this is where it gets really complex is that there's a variety of things that might be causing it. Because at the end of the day, in my experience, anger is a secondary emotion, right? I would 100% agree with you. Yeah. And so it's informed by a couple different things. And we might get that to, get to that in a second. <laughs> so one of my favorite kind of definitions that I've heard or people reference was Brene Brown. And mm-hmm. she talks about how anger is basically the discharge of pain. Mm-hmm. So I always look at that as maybe people don't have the tools yet, or even maybe they didn't do that self-reflection time to really figure it out why they were triggered so much or what's happening for them yeah you know and it's almost like that uncomfortableness or that feeling of being vulnerable and kind of trying to run away from that as how i usually Mm -hmm. see anger show up it's people 
or when we, because we're all people, it all happens, or it happens to all of us, I should say, but when we're almost uncomfortable dealing with what's actually happening for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and and you said a couple things that are are really important to kind of point out. So I love Brene Brown's work, and I totally agree there's a discharge of pain there. Though it's it's even more complex than just that, because when we look at it, we've got to back up and say, well, you like you just said, we all experience it. Well, why do we all experience it? We, you know, this is when we have to look at our meat suit, right? We're animals first. And this is fundamentally important. One of the things that we have to recognize with anger, if we all experience it, there's a benefit to it. It, it somehow helped our ancestors survive. Okay. So when I describe anger, I say there's two kind of, two kind of streams of it. And this is again, how I kind of make sense of it is that there's a biological st- stream, which keeps the organism alive. And then there's a new world stream, which is what generally gets us in trouble, right? It causes a lot of challenges. Okay, so when we think of the the biological aspect, let's go back to, um, well, actually, just think of the last time you got scared, actually, let's start there. So uh, I don't don't know, someone jumped out from behind a a wall, and kind of was like, hey, right, I had my I had my little five year old, uh, and he just turned six, actually. And so the other day, I I forget what I was doing. I was, uh, I was focusing on something I was working and he comes up behind me and goes, Hey daddy. And I'm just like, Whoa. Right. (laughs) And, and so immediately, and when you get scared, what happens? Well, you feel, you you can feel the heart. It might be a little different for everyone, but the heart's pounding, right? You feel like a rush of energy through your body, right? This is the adrenaline response. It's the fight or flight response. Okay. And, and so it's, it, that's the fear response, like that jump, that jolt, right? <laughs> I didn't say that, honestly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that, that, you know, that it, we don't really have control over. It's just such a biological imperative to keep us alive because we go back 50,000 years ago, hunter gathering, and we're, we're going there and all of a sudden a saber-toothed tiger jumps out of a tree, right? If we don't have any response to that, we're not going to be prepped to fight or flight. And that's what's happening with adrenaline. It's just pushing all the blood, all the resources away from your internal organs to the things that are the most important, which is your muscles. And that's what's kept us, like you nailed it, that's what kept us alive for so long, you know, back in the caveman era and, you know, even more recently. But the thing is, is how do we, because that's so deeply ingrained in us, how do we not react ah. so quickly? <laughs> well, that's, you know, and I get that, that, that question a lot, right? Yeah. Is it's, it's not about stopping it. It's about awareness, right? And we're all kind of unique. Uh, though, like our meat suit, right? That, that animal part of us is going to respond to things. Like, so I, I got to ask, because <laughs> I've heard you explain this before, but, you know, for the benefit, can you explain what you mean by meat suit, meat please? Suit, meat suit, the human body, <laughs> right? And so this is... Um, you know, and this is where we kind of got to look at, you know, we don't exist just solely as a physical body, right? We have a physical body. That's the animal. That's, you know, however you want to think of it, that's, that basically is what gets us around. But part of that body, we have a brain and in that brain, there's psychology to that, right? There's a way it functions. And then that's, that in essence, a lot of that is actually meat suit. One of the things that really interests me is this concept of evolutionary psychology, Right. So think of an anger management course. I, I, one of the questions I ask is, well, I don't generally ask it, but it's usually a comment someone makes. It's like, I don't care what anybody thinks. (laughs) And I'm like, 
you don't nope don't care what they think of me don't care what i think of them like you know that that kind of aspect and you get that that comment come out and and you know what generally we all care deeply about what other people think because our ancestors who were able to conform who were able to recognize how they fit into our group were more likely not to get kicked out of that tribe for doing something right and so it's it's biologically wired into our dna to care we're social creatures that's that's why humans are so special is we can work together we can collaborate so this is really part of that meat suit that psychology that comes in um it served a purpose and it still serves a purpose and when we don't have that awareness of what's going on sometimes we can't recognize that some of these thoughts and feelings that we're having in the moment may not actually be helpful right and so it's not about stopping those because it's completely natural to have them. It's about how you make sense of them. And I believe that starts with awareness. So as opposed to jumping to the reactionary state, maybe taking the time to self-reflect or figure out why you're being triggered. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, you know, absolutely. Because we come back. So I keep saying meat suit and I just dis I'm describing adrenaline rush. Well, what does adrenaline have to do with anger is that question then, right? Is you know, that is a reaction. We get that, that adrenaline rush. We, it's what we call the fight, flight, maybe freeze response. And those were all designed to keep us alive. Yeah. Right? And that whole fight and flight response that releases certain stresses too, though, on the body. Oh, yeah. Right? Like yeah. the stress hormone. And then it's causing us to breathe quicker and our heart to beat mm -hmm. faster. And we're ready. We're ready, like you said, to fight. Or flight. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is what a lot often ask people in class is take a deep breath. Yeah. Take it in. Where did that go in your body? Did it go into your upper chest or did it go in deep into your abdomen? We want to be breathing down there. That's a very relaxed state. But more often than not, if you just like anybody, your listeners right now, just take a deep breath. Where does it go? Chances are because we run such a high stress level. We're typically in a slightly adrenal state all the time. And that, that's a lot of cortisol. That's a lot of different hormones that are going to the body that has, a, has an impact on our overall well-being. And so you take that breath. It's like, oh, wow. You know, I, even when I just did it right now, I'm up in, up in the chest. Okay. So it's almost like a check-in you could use it for, though, mm -hmm. for the breathing. Like, So if you're agitated or nervous or frightened or angry take the deep breath and kind of see where it sits. And that's a good indicator to you of what might be happening. Yeah, absolutely. And then what I would say, if it's going up into your upper chest, take six long deep breaths into the abdomen, right? This is research proven. This isn't just me saying, hey, take a deep breath. I'll tell you, I go into an anger management course. I get the comment is like, don't tell me to take a breath and relax. And I'm like, how would I tell you to take six? deep breaths so you know i don't often actually give advice in in my courses but this is one of the things that i will give advice on and when i say advice i mean this is what you do when you get mad because it looks a little different for everyone but this is biologically wired we know and from research if you take those six long deep breaths into that abdomen place six times like in and out you will change your physical state, your mental state, okay? Um, try it. Just experiment with it. You're feeling a little overwhelmed, a little late for work? Try that. So basically then, what I'm taking as you say it, because obviously it makes sense, because it's that second to cool down. It's mm -hmm. that second to almost let your brain 
work as opposed to just react on that emotional level. Yeah. And well, so and, and the tough thing is, is so, you, you know, I recognize we're jumping around a little bit in terms of talking about the, the biology and, and the anger. And we'll get to bringing those two things together here in a sec. The, the, what I'm trying to normalize is we can slow down our reactivity and I'll talk a, a little bit about our baseline because when we look at what I, I call a baseline is just where is how much stress you're holding? Where is that? So you think of a thermometer, right? Are you starting your day and it's at zero, right? That's to me is like a peaceful state, nothing on your mind. You're just like, it's your peace, right? As things happen throughout the day, like maybe you wake up a little later, you're really tired, right? Just feeling sluggish one of those mornings. Well, that kind of amps up that energy bit. So you're starting to crawl up there a bit. You know, you have you have something on your mind. You didn't complete some work or, you know, you hear there's a traffic accident. You're going to be late for work. These things kind of build up or add to, you know, I'm having relationship issues or I'm, you know, this this conflict with a friend or all this other stuff. The things that it's just the, the stuff that life has for us, it's going to add up, right? And so you when you have that level of stress, okay, that's that stress response. So you're actually getting into more of an adrenal place where you're you're actually engaging a bit of flight or fight response because you're holding on to all that. And so being able to find the tools to be able to bring that baseline down becomes really, really important because if you're escalated that high, this what happens if your cup is full and then you add a little more water? Yeah, so you're going to be way easier to react and yes. boil over and snap mm -hmm. as opposed to if you wake up that day and you realize you're dragging yourself or you realize you're a little bit more irritable because maybe you didn't get enough sleep, then it would be really important. What you're saying is to take some kind of relaxing technique or breathing technique to kind of bring that base level down because to continue going throughout your whole day like that you might be more irritable and more quicker to snap at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's and and so just bring that bring that baseline down is important. We see this road rage all the time is you know, hey, even me, that if there's one place I struggle, it's it's behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> yeah, I like to think I'm a very <laughs> patient, relaxed individual, but I'm definitely tested still while I drive. It's a it's yeah. a tough thing because when you think of it, you know, your safety's at play. Yeah. It's highly depersonalized, right? So you, you got all the stress you're holding on from your life, all these other things, and then someone cuts you off, right? All of a sudden, that baseline, that instant kind of fear response that we might have, that irritation, that powerlessness we might be experiencing, amps us over that, that kind of red line, and then we snap. And, and then that's where people get themselves in trouble. So... What? And I think most people could relate in the traffic instance, yes. <laughs> you know, everybody's so quick to kind of, and I like it how you said it's a depersonalized place. Like, yes. Because we don't know the people. We can just, you know. It's convenient at the end of the day. Yeah. They're, it's, they're, they're that convenient target. Yeah, and absolutely. what we see is we see a jerk in a car, but we don't see a, a mom uh, you know, uh, a sister or brother. We don't, I don't have that. So what I usually will use as a bit of a, an example in this is you're driving, you know, you're on, you're on the busy road. Next thing you know, uh, someone cuts you off 
and you're like, look at this jerk, right? You get all that, you're like, you know, grabbing the wheel, you tense up and you're like, your hands get a little bit tighter, your back gets higher. Yeah. Yeah. You you get, you know, you feel a bit of that adrenaline, your heart's pounding, you're you're getting a little flush. So you're, you're mad. You're like, this jerk just cut me off. And so you might do, and I, I've never done this, uh, (laughs) but you do that drive past. And you take, or a look you do over. the look, you do the stare right? into, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly that. So you're taking the stare, you look, and who was this jerk that cut me off? And what if it was your grandma? What instantly happens to that emotions? Right? Is that it's like, oh, grandma, right? <laughs> Get off the road. <laughs> you know, you you have a whole relationship with that person, then all of a sudden that that relationship with that anger you had and what happened there totally changes. Okay, so, well, why is that? Well, you just personalize that individual. They're not as convenient to just blow all that stress out on there. And, and so it's, it's something just to be really aware of when we're driving. I usually will recommend to people to really adjust your mindset before you get on the road is to expect that that kind of thing will happen. Do you want to add to it? Or do you want, I, I kind of get myself in the mindset, I'm going to be a steward of the road. So despite what happens, I'm going to be a caretaker and I'm not going to contribute to that stuff happening. So it's not saying I'm not going to get angry. But what I'm doing is I'm putting boundaries and expectations on myself, which allows me to actually reduce the reactivity. Though when I do get triggered, I'm in that mindset of saying, well, no, I'm not going to add to this. So I'm just going to let that go. Well, you're making the conscious effort to set yourself up here. Mm-hmm. So before getting in the car, by consciously making yourself present and saying that, you know what, I'm not going to lose my cool, I'm going to follow the rules of the road, you're actually pepping. I like to, I would say, like you're you're prepping yourself to go on the road and be a little bit more calm. Yeah. So for me, I always try to get the dialogue. I'm not perfect. And (laughs) I sometimes give that stare, let's be honest. But a lot of the time I try to think of, I have no idea what that person is going through. Not a clue. They might be running to the hospital, trying to, you know, pick up their child from work. We have no idea what's happening for Mm -hmm. that person. So for me, I try to touch on that empathy to try to, you know, tap into, we have no idea what's happening for another individual. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt and continue on. Yes. <laughs> Try not to feed into it. Cause I find by feeding into it, cause we've all seen that on the road, you know, somebody passes, somebody cuts them off. Another person pulls out and passes them again. Mm-hmm. And then you almost see like, I'm al- always nervous of, are they going to like pull over or like make an accident happen? Cause they <laughs> seem really like angry and it's yep. almost like they elevate each other. So this is a nice way to kind of come back into what we were talking around, uh, the biological aspect of it. Because what's happened is, like we said, when you get scared and we get angry, this is the adrenaline rush. It's the fight or flight response. And so, like I was saying earlier, all those resources are being pulled from your internal, internal organs to your muscles. So you can either run or you can fight. There's two organs in our body that use the most energy. And one is the heart and one is the brain. And our brain has developed in such a way over time that, you know, our prefrontal cortex, that, that, that part of our brain that has all the judgment and future thinking and stuff like that, that's a really energy draining system. It's very complex, right? If you're fighting for your life, you don't need to be planning for the future, <laughs> right? It's very in the moment. So really easily, let's take those resources from that. Okay, take that back. And so we actually pull, the only thing you really need is back here in that kind of 
base, very primal portion of our brain, which deals with some very basic functions uh, and your survival functions, right? That's, that's all you need. So that's what happens when the saber-toothed tiger jumps in front of you. It's like, I just need to run or I need to fight. There was a situation where a guy was just attacked by a cougar here uh, recently. And, you, you know, it was very interesting because he was talking about it. He's like, I was scared. I wanted to get away, but it had my hand. And then I got angry. Eventually, he talked about how he was angry. But that was the shift from the fear response into the anger response to fight because that was his only option is now to fight. Okay, so he went into and he ended up... Uh, um, surviving that incident, which right? is so rare, and to be able to channel it and use it to power yourself, like wow, how phenomenal mm-hmm. could that be? Yeah, and and so here's here's that biological response. Now, that's what you're doing when you're in a situation where your life is depending on it. Okay, now let's go. We're colleagues, right? And I'm slowly building up some resentment over time because you keep eating my lunch uh, (laughs) or whatever that is. But that same kind of response is going to be happening where – and you felt it. And and think of the last time you had – you really got angry at something or someone in a situation. Maybe it was the news and all these other things. But think of a conflict. When you were angry in that conflict, your heart starts pounding. Right, your your breathing gets shallow and and up into the top of the chest and fast, you know all these things. That's the adrenaline rush coming from. So right then, your brain is having all these resources pulled out of it. That's your logical thinking, right? There's a reason we have sayings like "cooler heads prevail." Mm. Okay, it's those people that can keep their calm in those situations that can stay rational. This was something in the military. There's a reason we tra- trained in live fire exercises. We trained in video simulations. We did all this training. And the idea was is that we could deal with the shock of something happening and still be able to function and think. So then what we're doing is then in those situations where I'm mad at you as a coworker, my brain shut down. And I'm much more likely to take an action that is more instant gratification to the moment, me trying to control something. And that's what I like to think of anger as. Um, Anger and more so the aggression is that it is a means of trying to gain control in a situation. You're almost using your animal instinct in a way. Like you're not allowing. So go back to the situation of me and you and me slowly resenting the things that... I, well, I'm stealing your lunch or you're stealing yeah. mine, but I'm slowly resenting it. And then if I'm not dealing with it or if I'm not calming myself down, that's when you're talking about just reacting, correct? Yeah. And well, and, and so here's where I struggle mm-hmm. a little bit is that we want we can manage the baseline so we can take on certain things right it's kind of like your resiliency your ability as, to bounce, bounce as back. stress or anger yeah stress okay. or anger so okay. you know it, like i think of it this way you know if i'm really tired or let's say i'm hungover i was out yeah had some fun but i just don't feel good and you know, someone does something, right? Maybe my son wants to play and he jumps on my back. I'm much more likely to do a quick snap. Don't do that kind of thing. I don't want to do that. That's not it. But if I really was well rested and, you know, I was in a decent mood and jumps on my back, that might turn into some fun play, right? And and so we can reduce our reactivity in the sense of, when we when we take care of ourselves, we get to sleep. We're eating right. We're meditating. We're we're doing all these different things that really are fundamentally important to us. We can take on the stresses of the day. 
in that situation, I might still be angry, but I might not be pushed to that baseline where I just snap on you. I might be in enough frame of mind because I'm not already up there. I'm not halfway through an adrenaline rush already um, that I might say, hey, you know, Jillian, you ate my lunch. Not cool. Right. And, and we could talk about it. Why do you keep doing that? But more able to deal with it in the moment because you are taking care of yourself. So because like you said, yeah. you're getting the sleep, you're you're really filling your own tank, you know, mm-hmm. you're making sure you're taking accountability for yourself. You're making sure you're fueling yourself so that you're relaxed. So yes. that when these situations come up and maybe you do get that emotion or that flicker of anger or aggression, then you're more able to deal with it in a rational way. And that's it. It's because I don't want to villainize anger. Anger is important, right? And and so this is where it's tough. And and I have to be careful when I teach these courses because generally the clients that are coming in are expressing their anger in a quite an unhealthy way. Um, and that's where it's becoming problematic. But again, anger is not a bad thing. And so when I'm describing it to people, I'm like, there's there's a benefit to anger, right? Anger is a wonderful motivator. And so I have a bit of a saying to this is that anger is a wonderful motivator. It can tell you something's not right in this situation. Maybe it's internal. Maybe it's external. Maybe someone's taking advantage of you. Maybe something that's not right is happening. Okay. All sorts of different things, but it's going to motivate you to act. But motivation is a wonderful motivator and a horrible consultant because it's going to tell you to act in a certain way. And so we get really angry, our brain shuts down, it's more of the fight, I will make you do this. And that's where we get in trouble, especially today, because there's certain expectations our society has that says, hey, that's not cool. We don't treat people like that. Though that rational part of the brain that can help control that behavior is shut off because we're so enraged, perhaps. So it's almost like a good way to use anger is allow it to be the trigger for us, allow it to spark that emotion, but then be able to walk away or breathe and kind of do that self-reflection process of maybe what's happening so that you can actually react in that more calm state. So now this is where we get into more of a deep dive of anger. Because in my courses, I'm not really telling people, you know, other than that six breath thing, other than a little resiliency work and taking care of yourself, like I, I give advice around that, but I'm not necessarily telling people how to de escalate themselves because I firmly believe that your ability to de escalate yourself is your really your ability to understand where anger is coming from, what's truly informing that anger. And by that, you mean what's actually happening for you. Yeah, because I describe that anger is actually, in most cases, a secondary emotion. So in some cases, like when we talk about the biological anger, there's an actual threat right in front of me, right? And it's really advantageous for me to go to a fear state or a anger state, okay? That's going to protect you. We're hiking. We come around a corner. There's a bear. Exactly. Oh, God. What you just said about the guy in Alberta who fought off the cougar. That's right. Google it. He's he's actually quite hilarious uh, listening to him. Um, And it's a good example of how that adrenaline came through and how he was thinking, how he talks that through. So there's that that portion to it but then when we come and i say it's a secondary emotion i'm always saying that anger is informed by one of three things and that's pain powerlessness or fear okay and so i'll say pain and that can mean uh, physical pain but emotional pain as well right Uh, powerlessness is something we deal with all the time as humans we want security and comfort 
<clears throat> and if um, and if we can't get those things, anger can become a convenient way to get those things we want. Okay, but finally, there's this fear, and this is the one I usually when I do draw this out on the board i'm drawing this at the very bottom in, the, in this fear so what is the fear of well in in the way our society is structured i believe more often than not it manifests as a fear of inadequacy or not being enough yeah i think that's definitely something worth talking about for a bit because a lot of people they're going to react so quickly because i think on a level maybe they feel judged maybe they feel not equivalent or not good enough to be there. You can have a really collected, intelligent individual trigger them off, and it's like they go to a primal state. Um, they go into a place of handling it in a way that their life experience has taught them, and that might have been from picking up from their parents. It might be some trauma that they've they've held on to. Maybe they, you know, as they grew up, they may have had a lot of siblings, and they dealt with conflict in a very aggressive way and yet this individual wanted to peace keep that and so when anger comes up they don't allow themselves to go to anger they go into i need to fix everything in order to have everybody happy and if everybody's happy then i can be safe right or i can be good enough and so we we learn all these these ways of dealing with anger and so this is where anger is very personalized it's going to look a little different for, for everyone yet the mechanism in my experience really is and I challenge people in my course is like we'll boil this down to pain, powerlessness, or fear, right? And give me any situation uh, where you got angry, and we can boil those down. And I challenge people listening to to kind of be open to to that. And this is where we have to really look at being honest with ourselves and vulnerable. So this is the key thing to understanding anger is to be like radically truthful. And radically honest with yourself about it and look at it because when you're angry, well, it's very easy to blame. That's the, that's the energy of the pain, powerlessness, or fear trying to get out, right? And we anger is the way, but that's, that's not, that, that's often. So we use the analogy of the anger volcano and what's coming out the top is the aggression, the rage, and what's just right up there is fueling it is the anger. But if you boil down into the kind of the bedrock or the core of it, we have pain, powerlessness, and fear there. And you can relate that to anything. Like, I'm sure everybody can empathize with that because, you know, think of maybe the situation at work or the situation with a family member. And it's those slow little things that maybe you felt unjust or um, not equal or a little bit inadequate mm -hmm. in dealing with them. And maybe you didn't talk about it, though. Maybe you just let it go. Yeah. Okay. And then next time you show up and you feel that way again and you're getting, it's almost like that build up, and then you're almost lashing out instead of actually dealing with what initiated that response in the first place. Yeah, so you're building up yeah. this resentment over time and that stuff can kind of boil up because if we're not addressing it, we're not being assertive because there's different anger styles we can, we can talk about in terms of, you know, I'm being aggressive, right? I'm being physically aggressive, verbally aggressive. I'm, I'm being non-verbally aggressive. All these things, I'm being passive aggressive, right? Or I'm stuffing, right? Which is, you know, you're okay, I'm not okay, so I'm just not going to challenge you on it. What we're shooting for is assertive, right? And that's this idea of you're okay, I'm okay. I'm not going to let you walk on me, but I'm not going to walk on you. I'm going to stand up for what I believe is right in a non-destructive way, right? And that's what we're, we're shooting for. Though there's, there's an important thing, and I just want to kind of back into it a little bit. 
So if we just back up a little bit here and, and we go go to looking at that pain, powerlessness, that fear. So here's the trapping. And this is what I believe is really something that we're struggling with as a society. And like I said earlier, it's that fear of inadequacy, the fear of not being enough. And this is really important. And I want people to understand that we're in a consumerist capitalist society, right? I'm not, I'm not a communist here or anything, <laughs> right? There's nothing wrong with that. But in the reality of it is, is we need people to continue to consume. And so we need to sell people things. And how do you sell people things, right? If I wanted to sell you, you know, um, that water bottle, I'm going to make you have to feel you need it, right? And, and so just take a look. I, you know, I generally laugh at truck commercials, right? Is, is you know, I, <laughs> the, the example I use often is like, you want to be a man in Alberta, you better own a Ford truck, right? I think Dodge does a lot of those. Uh, and then what you have is this like really, you know, we got all the oil and gas out here. And so you have these roughnecks that are working on the rigs and they're, they're, they've been working hard all day. And it's like, you've been working hard all day. Your truck better work hard for you. Like, and so these messages of these, gr- you know, gruff, rugged, good looking guys and, and, you know, they're, they have worth, right? They, they got this truck. And, and so really we're tying, tying all these images of masculinity and, and, and what it means to be of worth to, to these objects. And so the, the really the subtle underlying message to this stuff is if you don't have this, you're somehow not good enough. And so we attach this to everything. Like, you know, you got a, you got a phone, you'll watch a phone commercial. Like I buy this new kind of phone and, you know, I go and work out and I'm good looking and I have friends and I'm doing stuff and I'm having fun. Well, your phone doesn't do that for you. It, it can enable you to communicate, but it's not going to magically give you friends. But these are the subtle messages. Like, don't get me started on herbal essence shampoo, if you remember <laughs> those old commercials, right? And we're surrounded by it. Like, think about Inundated. that. In every single thing we do, mm-hmm. we're compared or we're showed what's the right way to do it. Yes. You know, so that would be as a whole other episode, but yeah. talking about like the ads and how you're right. It's just trying to sell things. And what we do is we continuously compare ourselves to that idealized image. So what I'm going to challenge is, you know, yes, it's another episode, (laughs) but we need to actually scrape it because the reality of it is, of it is, is it's setting us up in a lot of cases is because you're worth. So if I'm saying that anger is often informed by a fear of inadequacy, a fear of not being good enough. It's one of the mechanisms to protect ourselves from actually feeling that, right? And so when we think of this idea of self-image and self-worth and how it's set up, it's really important to understand that because if we go, hey, you're successful in our society, what's the measure of success? So I'll ask you, so from your perspective, if you look at what society says is successful and what is the ideal, what does that person have or look like or do? From society trying to tell us, not or me you, personally, because I'm you. like that would You've be done different. Some work on this, <laughs> but, but yeah, society is is going to say big house, mm-hmm. uh, fancy car, yep. lots of money, lots of flashy things. Yeah, yep. so turn on the things TV. you can see. Yeah, totally. You know? yeah. Turn on the TV, get into your favorite television show, mm-hmm. and you got house housewives of Orange County up there. Yeah, and absolutely. what do you have? You have a bunch of people. Right, that have the big house, the big car, all the money, everything that we say that you need to be of worth in our society. And yep, they're incredibly unhappy individuals. And they're they're going through this this experience of having all this stuff, and yet 
having the very human experience of feeling not good all the time because we're going to have times of anxiety. We're going to have times of depression. But why should I feel this way when I'm told I have everything? So something must be fundamentally wrong with me. Well, instead of exploring that, it's very human to kind of avoid that and externally press it. And so that's why the anger comes out. It comes out as gossip. And you can see how nasty they can be to one another. And judgment. Yeah, like, and oh, judgment. God, it breaks my heart to see that level of... And it's bullying, too. Yeah, it's yeah. all of that stuff. And and it's, it's challenging because their judging only defines them as someone that needs to judge. It doesn't define the other person. And, and what I challenge people to do in, instead of kind of going, hey, this person's a horrible person, is to actually look at this person as someone who's really suffering. And that, that really changes our perspective on that. And I mean, you can do this uh, across media platforms. I, I would not be able to teach my anger management courses if I went in there and I thought that these people were less than. Right? They are just like us. They got caught for something, or they may have patterns that are coming up in their life. And I guarantee they would choose to do something different if they just knew what to do or if they understood it, okay? And so when you see these people that are dealing with this deep-rooted sense of inadequacy because we're told you have everything or, you know, you have this, and and yet they still feel that, it comes out in other ways. This is the thing. It has to come out. And so this goes back to what I was saying. In order to really understand anger, you have to understand what informs it and what informs it for you. It's going to look a little different for everyone, right? Um, I use a lot of vulnerability when I talk about my experience because I'm typically someone that doesn't really get angry easily, right? But I come back from this place and I'm really affected by that sense of inadequacy, that fear of not being good enough. And that goes back to me being you know, diagnosed with an auditory processing learning disability when I was young, ADHD, experiencing some bully, bullying, right? And and here I was, I thought I was stupid, I wasn't good enough. And I go through that narrative in my life. And what I learned is, hey, if I can be an outstanding athlete, right, I, I can have some worth because people give me some praise. If I can be a people pleaser and people like me, right, I can feel good enough about myself. Well, that's a really shitty way to live let me tell you right um well it's so dependent on everybody else right you're really technically trying to please as yeah. opposed to do what i always talk about or what we always talk about on the podcast is filling yourself looking yeah. deep inside you and finding out what truly makes you happy as a person yes not as what society is trying to tell you to be well, and this is, this is it because what we're, you just said dependent, and this is really the codependence on other people to feel full and complete. And we see how this manifests in relationship. I find this person, I don't feel whole and complete as, as myself, but I love this person. I'm with them. I'm happy. But if they're not happy, I'm not happy. Right. And that's a really challenging place to get into because then I'm dependent on them for my emotional state and I'm dependent to keep them happy. And then all sorts of different patterns start coming out. But we get this dependency in, in my perspective. We get this dependency on the items we own, the things we have, the image we have. If I hold up this image, if I have these things, if I look a certain way, I can be happy. And yet we have this feeling underneath that we don't. And this goes back to this fundamental idea of what is self-esteem. Right. And this is, again, you know, well, we're talking about anger, Ryan. Why are we talking about self-esteem? Well, this is actually fundamentally important because when we look at what we think self-esteem is, typically we look at self-esteem as how you feel about the good things. Right. And, and we look at all these successful people and man, they feel good about themselves. You know, they're happy with themselves. They know their strengths and they're out there, you know, making the millions. Right. So, well, naturally, if, 
if they're successful and they feel good about themselves, we have to make sure our kids and they feel good about themselves. So we've gone through this for the last, I don't know how many years, um, last couple of decades at least, really trying to build a self-esteem of people. And we've gotten it fundamentally wrong is that self-esteem is, yes, very importantly about how you feel about the good things, but it's a polarity. There's two aspects of it. It's about on one end, on one pole, is how you feel about the good things, but on the other pole is how you feel about the not-so-good things, right? And true self-esteem and true strength comes from your ability to look at those things you're not so good at. And so for me and my personal journey has been able to look at, you know what? I can't spell. I am a horrible speller. You get me to spell today. Welcome uh, to the club. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, I've just accepted that. That's part of who I am. And it's being able to look at those slimy aspects. Not saying that's slimy, but, you know, I have judgments come that's up. That's insecure is yeah, what I would th- say. Those, those things. But we all have these things that come up. Well, that's human. Yeah, that it, is it's being the human, human experience. And we need to be able to accept that. And so this is where it's really important because we might judge other people than judge ourselves for judging other people versus saying, you know, oh, there, there I go judging and that's, that's not who I want to be in this world, but I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not a fundamental, horrible person just because that happened, right? We have these slimy aspects of ourselves. I have these weaknesses. I'm not so good in here. I might not be so good at this thing. This is the fundamental thing that we need to look at those things and say, despite these things, I'm still worthy of love. I am still good enough, right? I will make mistakes and I'm still okay, Right. And so when we can honor this aspect of ourselves that is not so good and we can honor the strengths as well and, and look at these things and, and really recognize. And this is the key message I'm sharing in my anger management course, not day one, uh, because I, <laughs> I'm not sure how how receptive people are going to be to that. But it is despite what you have done or haven't done, you're still worthy. Despite what you have done or haven't done, you're still worthy of love. And we need to fundamentally get to the place that we can believe that if we're going to manage this fear of inadequacy that is just bred into us in our society. And so just to relate it back to anger, Mm -hmm. somebody with self-esteem, let's say exactly what you're talking about, being able to realize, you know, we're human we're good we're not perfect yes but we're good they're going to be able to assess a situation and maybe if they do react badly or if they are feeling the heat of the moment somebody with that self-esteem is going to be able to take the breath and really kind of almost level themselves and maybe not react as much emotionally yeah, so in like in these in these cases, and the, what I say is a fundamentally important thing in self development and leadership development is to be gentle with yourself. That you're going to make mistakes. You you know, and 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 one of the principles I talk about, and this is where it comes back to anger, is that you'll never be shameful enough to get rid of your shame. You'll never get angry enough to get rid of anger. You have to be able to see it for what it is and then invite and allow it 100%. If you're angry, you're angry. Don't tell yourself you shouldn't be angry because it's an emotional fact. That's what you're feeling. And there's a variety of reasons you might be feeling that. If you're shameful, you're shameful. You're feeling it. It's a variety. There's a lesson in there. There's something important. So you don't deny it. What you resist tends to persist. Well, it could be an opportunity, really. I see Absolutely. it as any time, like you were saying earlier on about using that anger for positive or good. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always an opportunity. Why was I triggered? What's happening for me? Yes. How did I actually perceive that situation? 
And why am I feeling that way? Yeah, and so this is where the anger starts shifting from I need to act on it to a flag or an indication I need to look I need to open my eyes. I need to take an internal look. I need to say, hey, you know what? I got to draw a boundary with this person because they're taking advantage of me. Or is it like, you know what? This is really tied into my own self-worth. Someone made a joke and it was a harmless joke, but I got reactive. I'll use the example of, you know, someone walked into the room and just started to like, hey, Ryan, you're like, you're the short, weak man you know the shortest person i've ever seen i don't actually have much of a reaction to that because it doesn't land on me i'm kind of like the dead average for height and stuff like that i'd be a little concerned why this person just came in and insulted me but if they walked in the room and said ryan you're an idiot you can't even spell like look at that like how did you even get into what you're doing today my reaction would be to have some anger coming in there that's normal even saying that i'm like tell me like that, right because I, it's hitting a chord it's with hitting you the chord it's landing and so the, i use that anger then as a flag to go an indication well why does this land well if i'm really honest with myself i'm still working on that aspect of my self-worth right that's tied in there it's pretty deep rooted it's 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 been a part of my identity for a long time right the more aware i become of that the less reactive i'm becoming of it it's, so it's understanding the mechanics of our anger where it's coming when we're triggered Think of that. Anger is just an indication of something to look at. And again, it might be to keep yourself safe. Someone's actually treating you poorly, taking advantage of you, manipulating you. You need to act on that. Use that as motivation, right? Or it's that let's take a deeper look. Let's take an internal reflection on what is making up this anger. Is it pain? Is it powerlessness? Is it fear? Is it fear of inadequacy? I like that you can use it, or I like that you're wording it, to use it as a positive too. It's not just about anger is this negative thing. No, yeah. We can learn so much from it. We can, first of all, do so much self-reflection and learn a lot about ourselves and maybe some areas that we still need to grow or we need to still look at and get some tools to maybe develop. Yeah. But we can also look at it, like I love it when you mentioned about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is an indicator to you that maybe you have to structure something differently with one of your relationships. Maybe you have to you know, have that hard conversation to set up those safeguards, to set up those boundaries so that you're not getting triggered or mm -hmm. so that you feel you're not being taken advantage of. I think that's a really important piece that we don't necessarily do all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and really, it comes down to understanding what's happening underneath. And, you know, when they come into my course and when I'm working with people in this, I actually am telling them this is not an anger management course. Anger is kind of a medium we, we're going to discuss to bring us into the conversation, but this is emotional self-awareness. This is all it is, right? And anger is a somewhat acceptable way to manage very difficult emotions in our society. It's a very easy thing to use in order to manage the things that are happening in us and, and to get our situations, uh, handle different situations. And so what we're talking about in, in reality is, is learning the skills around vulnerability, self-reflection to manage the, manage and navigate through the challenges that life has. They're all opportunities. And when we, when we're really radically honest with ourselves, it leads to these beautiful 
releases of things that we may be holding on to and then it creates this power in our lives where we can achieve that which we want to be we can act out of authenticity and integrity um, based off of our values and and really be clear on what it is and who we are and what do we want to achieve in this life that's what's really exciting these experiences we have that bring us into the shame and, and and the depression and all these other things right we all experience those those are the how do you say those are the vehicle which takes us when we are radically honest with it and and we look at those things those are the vehicles that take us to the places we want to be in life well the authentic places the authentic places yeah. and really for me when i'm looking back it's the place of true connection with yourself and with other people when you're willing to go there when you're willing to look at all of these secondary emotions that's being triggered for you when you're able to go deep and figure it out and even have that conversation with people. That's when you're truly showing up and having that meaningful connection because you're meeting people as human where mm -hmm. no one's perfect. You're just meeting them as a human being. And that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. One thing I want to go back to is you mentioned about assertive. Okay. So I want to really talk about here making a difference. What's the difference between anger and assertion? Because I feel sometimes assertiveness gets a bad rep. <laughs> we almost get it's target targeted with anger or, you know, bullying or aggressive yeah. when really, you know, being assertive can be a really powerful thing and positive. So yeah. And again, you're highlighting and it's important. Anger does not get you in trouble. Aggression does, right? So the expression of the anger, Right. And so there's a lot of different benefits of, of really knowing the anger. So now how do we express that in a way? So let's say somebody's doing something, saying something, treating someone or impacting something you really highly value um, in a certain way. And you're angry now because it's saying, hey, there's something wrong here. I'm not liking this. I don't feel safe or whatever that might be. How do we then act in a way that's not going to get us in trouble because the, the impulse is, is we get the adrenaline brain shuts down i'm going to pound you into the ground right i'm going to control your behavior by using that anger and aggression anger turning to aggression and i'm going to control you and i'm going to make you do what i want you to do well we're going into that animal instinct yeah absolutely so the the other option is is how do we move into an assertive place and so it's really understanding assertive and assertive gets a bad rap because what people really think of as assertive and like i'm being assertive is like no you're being a jerk right you're being aggressive so let's start there define it what yeah. is actually being assertive so what we think of like passive aggressive or aggressive all that stuff really the underlying thing is i'm okay you're not okay you're doing something that i don't know like i can treat you the way i want to right and so we can we can justify treating people that way right and we can be aggressive the assertive is really into this place, and, and, and I really want you to understand, you know assertive people. Everyone out there knows assertive people, and these are the people that seem to handle situations. They are not weak. They are incredibly strong. They handle situations without escalating them. They're not getting walked on, right? They, they are willing to turn their back on someone throwing insults, and they walk away, and then they end up looking like a boss, and the person that's throwing insults is... It looks like the fool, right? At at the end of the day, because they didn't bite onto it. Yeah. See, an assertive person, I find, never gets triggered by emotion, or they don't feed into it in that moment. So I think this is a key. An assertive person is going to experience a gamut of emotions, mm -hmm. 
it's what they're doing with it and how they understand it, right? And so recognizing that I'm okay, you're okay. So being assertive is we're, we're responding to something. We're not getting walked over. We're standing up for what we value, but I'm not going to walk over you. So I'm doing this in, in, in a non-destructive and socially acceptable way, right? And I think, and that's where people get, you know, hung up a little bit. Well, what is socially acceptable? And that kind of changes over time. And we're in interesting times right now. And this is a whole other conversation, though what we're looking at is really in yourself being truly true to yourself and understanding. And I think the root of being assertive is recognizing what is informing your anger. So if you've triggered me, you said something to me, and I look at it, I'm like, man, that creates powerlessness or that's actually that really touches that 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 fear of inadequacy that comes from that place, recognizing that and then being able to respond versus react right so you're not allowing yourself to become so emotional that your brain's not working yeah that's right we can just kind of go down that path how dare you say that to me how which dare you a, call me a bad speller right <laughs> which is a quick reaction because think of it i'm a bad speller too i totally get it mm-hmm. when somebody picks on something that you're insecure about it's almost like it triggers that response so much easier, right? Because you're... There's a load there. There's yeah. an emotional load that we have in there, right? Yeah. And you just react. And then you react. Versus when you've done that self-reflection and you've done that you know, learning process to realize that, hey, maybe you're, you might be sensitive in that area or you might be triggered easily in regarding that then it at least allows you to kind of realize, oh, wait a second, I'm I'm kind of flipping out on the inside here because that's something I'm working on. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like that self-awareness to be able to go, wait, I don't want to react here because I know I'm having a reaction or emotional response. So one of the things I wanted to bring up as regards to assertiveness is thinking of it in... It's not about perfection. This is something we build. It's a skill. It really is a skill. It's a skill in managing emotions, understanding. And it comes, again, from understanding where these things are coming from. And I really like the concept of cultivation, right? A Buddhist term, you know, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh who really talked a lot about cultivating. And so, like, when you plant seeds and you tend to those seeds, you water them, you give them a lot of attention, they tend to grow. And they show up. If you're watering seeds of irritability and anger and the way you react and you spend a lot of focus on that or you're focusing a lot of energy on what you don't want or these other things, they kind of show up in a different way, like anger, right? Versus cultivating seeds of compassion, you know, understanding yourself, being gentle with yourself. Like when those situations come up where you screw up, that's the time to cultivate the seed rather than going into the shame, into the self-talk around you're, you're no good. And, and such like that is managing those and going, okay, well, what's a better feeling thought is that, yeah, you made a mistake here, but you feel bad about it because that's not really who you are. So what could I do differently next time? I'm going to try that. And then giving yourself props when you do it differently. And so that's how we develop the assertive behavior, knowing that I don't, just because someone calls me out doesn't mean I have to respond to them. 
And think of that, like how you feel after when you almost become victim to your own emotion and you just react. Like everybody, we talked about being in traffic. Think about that. Think about when you really get rageful and you give into it when the person is driving past you or cutting you off. How does that feel after? Like mm-hmm. it kind of feels icky in a way versus the time that you can practice that self-control and just be like, okay, it's it's an instance, let it pass. We have no idea, as we said, what the person's going through. Yeah. Giving the person the benefit of the doubt, really. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that and that's, that's it. And so what we're doing is we're actually cultivating and developing a mental model, a way to look at the world and understand our anger. And what I would be encouraging people to do is really look at, well, how does how does your reality occur? What are you choosing to be real? And it sounds a little crazy, but what you perceive is real. You know, this is something I learned as a counselor. You know, kids coming in, parents are like they have an addiction problem. You know, their lives are over. The kids are like I just smoke a little pot and I don't have a problem. And you know, maybe they're doing some sort of behavior that's negative, but they don't perceive it that way, so it's not real for them. And we have the power to change our perspective on things. And when we see your anger and you see how you're holding yourself with that anger, you have the power to choose your mental models around that, the, the lenses in which you look at that. And so driving is a great example, right? How, how, are you, how do you respond? How do you view that? Are you choosing to view everybody as jerks? Or are you cultivating this image of everybody as humans with their own struggle Right. And so that changes it. My, I've really adjusted my mental model a lot because I look at people who've done criminal things, like done some pretty shitty things. Right. And for the most part, society looks at them like they are not worthy. And the reality of it is, is when you sit with them, you talk with them and you see them, you see them. You see that they're just a person like us. They feel the pain. They feel emotions. So this all starts with empathy, empathy and cultivating that. That mental model is so important, and we can develop that for people. And I think it's fundamental, in fact, if we're going to solve problems in the world. Well, you're actually looking at people as people too, right? You're you're tapping into a place of knowing that, hey, I, I show up and I make lots of mistakes too. So everybody should have that benefit as well. Yeah. Look at it when the times that maybe you wanted to react a little bit better and you didn't. We all have those times. So I think the more gentle and empathetic we can be with each other, the more supportive we can be with encouraging these tools that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of look back for a second, looking at aggressive, um, so that anger mm-hmm. really showing up in that action versus assertive. Okay, so aggression being almost, I like it, I, I got the visual when you said the volcano erupting. Yes. Let's go with that. You're not maybe doing that self-reflection. You're not maybe taking the time to figure out what's really happening for you. So a great indicator when maybe you feel that way is, like you said, maybe take that, those six deep, you know, in your gut uh, breaths to really kind of allow yourself Mm-hmm. oxygen to the brain so that your rational piece of the brain is actually working here yeah. versus assertive being able to really advocate for what you want while I really like the line that you drew there while not stepping on each other while doing it being respectful of other people but still being able to stand up and say what's happening for you mm-hmm. I think that's really important so you're just you know, and I go back to, I say all the time to my niece, sharing is caring. Hmm. And thinking about that, like on the feeling level, though, like when you're sharing why 
you're angry or why you're upset or what's happening. Once again, that's that golden opportunity to connect as people, as individuals. So something else that we were talking about a little bit was how to really handle anger. So when you're kind of in the moment, is there any suggestions that you might pitch to people to be able to help? Like it's, you know, we've talked about calming yourself down by breathing, but what else can we actually do? Well, it's tough. And, and because this is going to be a little different and unique for everyone, um, I think I get a lot of questions around this. Like I snap, I just go there and I'm there. And I'm like, and then you're there, right? So again, it's a more of a self-reflection activity is what led you to there. Where was that baseline at? What was your stress at, right? Because going from zero to 100 is not uncommon. People say, hey, I have a short fuse. Well, that tells me that there's probably a lot of stuff there where there's a lot of, you know, vulnerability or rawness. Like I, I think of, you know, someone who really is reactive. Like, so if you had a big burn on your hand and I come on to touch it, you're going to be really reactive to that because it hurts. It's already hurting, right? I'm mad at you just for touching it because you've just rubbed it a little bit. And so, you know, we talked about the six breaths fundamentally, and I don't like this fact, but it's just fundamentally true is you need to care for your body and when you feed yourself, you sleep, you do those things that are really important, these are going to be probably the fundamental things that are really, really impactful in terms of your own well-being and your ability to manage anger. It's so hard in the world today, right? There's so much convenient food. We just don't know what to believe, too. There's so much different information out there. Yet, if you find the right sources and you know the right people, the experts in the field, and you can look, you can find that information. It's not easy. But anything in life worth going after generally takes effort, right? Energy in equals energy out. If you can do something, first and foremost, the most important thing I think would be sleep, right? Getting at least seven and a half hours if you can. You're going to need more if you're more strained, more stressed. You're going to need less if you're, you're you're not as physically driven or you're not as stressed. So those those kind of things. But you, generally that seven and a half hours of sleep, people don't like that, right? Hydrating yourself, drinking good water, making sure you're hydrated with the proper min minerals. This stuff is really, really important. It's going to have an effect on your mood and well-being. The, the energy you fuel your body with, right? Like, Are you fueling it with quality food? Are you making food versus buying foods that have a laundry list of ingredients. I feel like I'm sounding redundant and you've all heard it before, but the fact is, is the reason everybody's heard it and, and people preach it again and again, it takes effort, you know, and I put a lot of effort into that myself and, and that's, that's just, just a fact. And so again, you know, people want that when I get angry, what do I do? Well, if you get angry, it's kind of too late. Your brain is shut down, right? You, you know, this is don't argue with an angry person. I'm not interested in arguing. It's just like don't argue with a drunk person. The same thing. Their brain's not functioning. They've turned it off. So then maybe a good takeaway would be if you're angry, don't argue. Don't have that conversation then. So this is where we have to kind of look in ourselves. And I work with, with uh, the people in my course to say, okay, so where, where you feel your anger? Do you feel it here? Do you clench up, clench up all these things? So what are your warning signs? How do you physically feel anger? And then where is that limit for you that you know, if you get any more angry, you're going to lose control, then bump down a couple steps and, and go, okay, so yeah, when I start clenching my fist, 
Like for me, if I start feeling it in my forehead, and it's hard to describe, I've got a lot of energy and heat in my head, right? That flushness, that's all the blood going to the external external part of my uh, body, right? You know, getting ready to fight or flight. If I feel that, I'm like, there's no sense in going here. I need to just break. It doesn't matter. It's like, I'm just going to take this time. Like with my wife, it's like I get 10 minutes, need this space. But that's beautiful because what you've done is you've taken the time to actually Mm self-reflect. So the whole piece about anger that I would love to get across today is it's about that self-reflection. It's about learning what those signs are actually for you because you nailed it. We're so different. Mm -hmm. Every single person's going to react that different way. So for you to be able to say when it heats up in your head or you feel that tightness, you've gone there, you know, you've not just reacted and had, you know, that emotional state, you've walked away and dissected it enough so that now when those physical responses happen, you know that you're angry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know those those limits. And we've all had situations where we haven't walked away, we said something and we regret it. You know, that's a risk of conflict is that it causes damage that sometimes can't even be repaired and when you walk away this is tough it's really hard to walk away because you're the animals taking charge it's in fight mode i want to win i want to control you you walk away and you know five minutes later you're like oh my god why was i so upset about this to start with right and and you feel much better when you calm down the trick is though is something in that conversation triggered you there's pain powerlessness or fear under there and you're doing that uh, argument with say your significant other man there's a pattern coming out there that you need to pay attention to how did it touch your fear how did it touch that sense of inadequacy how did it maybe lend to some powerlessness because you don't come back now because remember anger is a wonderful motivator horrible consultant so you calm down, the anger's now gone. It's like, man, it's not worth going and talking about. So I, now we just repress it and we haven't actually addressed the core issue. It's going to happen again. Which I feel then it becomes like this Santa Claus bag that you're carrying around the whole time and you just lash out. Yeah. We get to call it gunny sacking, right? So a gunnery sergeant used to carry the, the ammunition, right? So a gunny sack is like holding all this ammunition on these things that we haven't addressed. But when we blow up, all that motivation is there. And remember the time you did this or said this and did that or didn't do this and all this. And we just lash out at people with all this irrelevant stuff, but it's pissed us off over time and we've been holding it. And so, yeah, that, that Santa Claus sack or that gunny, gunny sack. So that's what gunny sacking someone is. It's just blasting them with all that stuff we're holding on to. But that's very common. We hold resentments with coworkers, with all sorts of people because we don't address the little things. And, you know, yeah, let's be rational is like, you know, you're not going to always address the little things. But unless you take that internal look and say, hey, you know, this is something I do need to address because it's a pattern. Or is this, hey, you know what, this isn't anything to do with them. This has more to do with me. Which can be done when you take the time to actually self-reflect, right? So Mm -hmm. being able to really look at that incident or the event and dissect it to, did I react because of something you did? Or did I react because it triggered something in me? Yes. You know, it's a beautiful opportunity when we feel that anger, when we feel that emotion, to take the time, set it aside, really look at what's happening for us. Was it a behavior in the person or was it something Was it something that's actually happening within us? Yeah. So a huge thing to take away. So first of all, really looking at 
fueling yourself. You talked about making sure you're getting enough sleep, making sure you're feeding yourself the right food. You know, are you really setting yourself up to actually succeed? Another thing you talked about was basically training our brain in a way to, like, I like to think of it as almost reprogramming as opposed to reacting you know, taking the breads, or maybe that means after the event happened, and maybe we did flip somebody off, or maybe we did feed into that anger, allow yourself that self-reflection time to really get into what that actually was about for you. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Right. And, and you, you I think you look at this topic, it's like I said earlier, it's horribly complex. It's not just this or that. It, it, there's a lot of different things at play. This is a wonderful forum. Your anger, things like that that are uncomfortable. You know, the obstacle is the way. If you're feeling that, lean into it. Look at that, right? It takes a lot of courage. And, and I'll tell you, courage is the fo- first emotion that will empower you. Those other emotions down lower, like anger, you know, pride, these other things, these are still disempowering emotions, right? But when we get courage, we have the courage to look at these things, Right. And with courage, we can be vulnerable. And with vulnerable, uh, being vulnerable, we can look at what is truly happening. And when we see what's truly happening, we can be gentle with ourselves. And when we're gentle with ourselves, we accept what is. That stuff now has permission to leave and it doesn't have to come out as anger. And then I think also when we do that for ourselves, it's easier to recognize it or empathize with somebody else who's going through it. When somebody shows up and they're angry, we know what's happening, maybe not specifically what's happening for them, but usually that it's not about us, that it's about something they might have to be dealing with, or they might have to self-reflect and find out what's happening for them. So in a level, if we can all just be a little more gentle with each other, and not only with each other, but also with ourselves, we are going to make mistakes. You know, we show up and we really try the best that we we can in life, but sometimes we react poorly, or sometimes maybe we didn't get enough sleep, or maybe we didn't fuel ourselves right that day, and we didn't set ourselves up. But you know what? We get to wake up the next day, and we get to try it all over again. So... A final thought is, it's a very complex, a very complex thing when you look at it. I do a four-day course on this. One thing I would leave people with is, is there's all sorts of different things. Just be intentional around it. The first and foremost, be gentle with yourself. We live in a really challenging time, and it's not uncommon to be depressed or anxious. You feel those things. You're not wrong. Those are things that can happen, right? You will not shame yourself out of depression, right? You'll never shame yourself to get rid of anxiety, okay? But you can be gentle enough. You can you can look to those things and, and just, just allow them. Though fundamentally, again, my message is, is despite what you have done or haven't done, you're still worthy of love. I'm continuing to work on that myself. This stuff just doesn't come instantly. There's, there's, there's a process to it. And it, it starts with that courage. It starts with that gentleness. So if you take anything away, be gentle with yourself and know that despite what you have done or haven't done, you're still worthy of love. Thanks. So that's a wrap on another episode. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning in. And a huge thank you to Ryan Mullins for joining us in the studio and sharing his expertise today. Well, thank you for having me.
Guys, I want to encourage you to get involved in the show. Rate the show, leave a review. I always appreciate getting an opportunity to hear from you. I wish you all have a beautiful day. Be present and take time for yourself. Invest in yourself and never forget that it's up to you to learn how to power yourself.